Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Cloud overhead, hoping that I break that. Won't get a hold, won't determine fate that. I still see sunshine in my dreams. See days with raindrops behind me. What's good, y'all? Welcome to Believe in the Miami Heat, brought to you by the Believe Network. I just want to start by thanking y'all for tuning in as we are on a, let me pull out my thesaurus, a plethora of platforms, including Spotify, Apple Pod, and we'll also have the video version of this podcast on my personal YouTube channel. Just search Anthony Donardo. We are also up on the official Believe website. That's not Believe, like I believe the Heat will win the championship this year. Or do I? We'll get into that. But that's Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V. And that's where you can find this show and a ton of other amazing content brought to you by the Believe Network. Now, most people would start off by asking you to like and rate the podcast on whichever platform you're using. But I don't roll like that. This podcast literally just started and you have no idea if you're going to like it or not. This could be the worst podcast that you ever heard in your entire life. And can you imagine leaving a like on that? It just don't make no sense to me. But what I will ask y'all is that you at least give the episode a chance. And then if you enjoy and only if you enjoy, feel free to leave a like or give a five-star review because the support does go a long way, especially since you might have noticed I'm probably a stranger to you. This is my very first episode, so there's a very high chance that you have no idea who I am and even a higher possibility that you probably do not care. But I'm going to tell you anyways, man. My name is Anthony DiNardo, and I've been watching the Miami Heat for as long as I can remember, and making content is my passion. I've been on the YouTube grind for a while, and now I'm super excited to be the host of this amazing podcast. So, getting into things now. There have been several topics with regards to the Miami Heat that have been discussed at nauseum. You know... (laughs) I'm not going to lie. I don't know why I'm trying to sound so smart. I've never used the words ad nauseum or plethora in my entire life. So so let's try to not talk like that. Uh, anyways, during this offseason, a few topics have been talked about nonstop. So I don't want to get into them too much. But because I am new here, I will let y'all know where I stand. So the first topic that I want to discuss is the whole idea of running it back. This was on Heat Twitter, one of the most controversial topics, maybe not even so much so because it sounded like everybody was completely against the idea, but here's where I stand. I do buy into the fact that you were one shot away from the Eastern Conference Finals, so therefore running it back isn't the worst thing in the world. Now, of course, you did want to land the Wales. I really wanted Donovan Mitchell, and I even more so wanted Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant to me is a guy I would have even traded Bam at a bio for just because I think he's one of the greatest players of all time and that's how you win championships. Pat Riley understands that. That's why I believe he tried to get him. It just didn't happen. Donovan Mitchell, great player. I wanted him too, but I'm not sure the upgrade of him over Tyler Hero is as big as a lot of people think, so I wouldn't have given them you know, the whole farm for him. Regardless, they didn't get those guys. They're running it back. I'm not mad like a lot of people are because at the end of the day, People are saying that Pat Riley's asleep and they make the jokes. Oh, Riley's asleep behind the wheel. Oh, he's not doing anything. Like, you know he's trying, right? Like, you understand how difficult it is to land a superstar. You know, that that sort of thing just doesn't happen every single year. And not that even many guys switch teams. You know, probably the best player to switch teams this offseason is like Malcolm Brogdon or even P.J. Tucker, who the Heat did lose, which is a big loss, but we'll get into that a little bit as well. But point is, it's, it's hard getting these guys, you know? You don't just go ahead and get a superstar every single year, so it's not like they run it back by choice. 
So I'm not mad at the front office because at least I know they tried. I'd rather them go try to hit a home run to land a, a whale because that's how you win championships is with a whale uh, instead of getting an average piece like a Kyle Anderson because people were really mad at that. People were saying, oh, they should have went and got Bobby Portis. They should have got Kyle Anderson or, or Kyle Kuzma or somebody. You don't win championships with guys like that. You don't. You win championships by getting the best of the best. And at the end of the day, I can live knowing that Pat Riley in our front office tried to get the best. And yeah, they failed, but you know, at least they tried. I look at it like that. And still, you were one shot away from the Eastern Conference Finals. So bringing back almost the whole roster for the most part is something that I think has a lot of potential to still be a really great team this season. So not super mad at the running it back. Probably talked about that a little longer than I wanted to just because it's been so played out. But speaking of played out topics, we have who is going to be the starting power forward on this roster. We spoke a little bit about P.J. Tucker, of course, going to join the Philadelphia 76ers, which was a major loss for Miami because he was literally the primary defender on the other team's best player for the entire playoff run for the Heat last season. Obviously, he was, uh, he was on Trey Young for a ton of time. He was on James Harden for a ton of time. That's obviously a big loss. Now, I think the Heat have the pieces to make up for that. You still got guys like Jimmy, Bam, Gabe, Vic, who are phenomenal perimeter defenders. Uh, and I guess you don't really have as much size because PJ wasn't obviously very big, but he was still playing very, he was still playing very up guarding guys like Joel Embiid too. You can't have Gabe Vincent guard Joel Embiid, but uh, I guess the hope is Omer Yurtsevin can get some run this year. But as far as the starting power forward or starting lineup in general, that's obviously been a big topic of discussion. A lot of people are saying Caitlin Martin could be that four, or you slide Bam to the four and then put Omer there, like I was saying. Personally, what I would do is I would start Lowry. I'd put Tyler Hero in the starting lineup just because you don't give a guy that kind of extension to have him come off the bench. So I would start Tyler, and then I put Struess at the three. I would put Jimmy at the four and Bam at the five. Now, Max Struess is a name that I'm hearing as if people are automatically assuming that he will not be in the starting lineup. My question is why? Max Struess was amazing last year as a starter, and he did absolutely nothing to lose that role. He did absolutely nothing. And Spolstra, you know, understands that when guys work hard, you know, they deserve to keep their spot. Uh, not to mention in like his first 25 games that he was as a starter, that he'd only lost like two or three games. So very clearly it was clicking. It was working very well. So I'd keep him in the starting lineup, which means that Jimmy Butler would have to play the four. Now, I want to preface all this by saying that's not going to happen because Jimmy already came out and said he does not want to play the four. And when Jimmy says that he doesn't want to do something... <laughs> He's not going to do it. That's just, you know, how it goes. And, and he is the star player, so I think it should be that way to a certain extent. I mean, uh, LeBron kind of wanted everything here, and Pat Riley wasn't going to play that. That's why LeBron left. But obviously, LeBron was asking for all kind of extra things that I just don't think you should give into. But if Jimmy Duck Butler, your star player, doesn't want to play the four, I don't think he should play the four, uh, at least not full time. And I think he understands he will play it partly. Uh, but really, how much does that even mean? Because it's really all positionless basketball. And I know that that saying is played out as well, but I just think it's very true, uh, especially the Miami Heat when they switch everything. It's not like the power forward is guarding the other team's power forward even 80% of the time. It's much less than that because they switch everything. Uh, so Jimmy Butler will definitely play some four this year, but just not start or full time kind of like I wish he would. But the reason why I like that is because you still got the shooting with Tyler and Strews. You got the defense with Jimmy and Bam. And then you got the facilitator and Lowry. That's personally what I would go with. Now, getting into the two possibilities of what they probably would do 
is I think in every scenario, Tyler starts just because, again, you don't pay him that extension money and then not start him. So you got Lowry and Tyler. I have that as a lock in the backcourt. I suppose some people would want Victor Oladipo to start, but I just don't see that happening. Uh, Victor, by the way, who hasn't played any preseason minutes yet, you'll probably be listening to this episode on Monday, or at least that's when this episode releases. So they didn't play against Houston yet. I'm expecting Oladipo to get some minutes in that game, so we'll see how he performs. But back to the starting lineup, I expect to see Kyle Lowry. I expect to see Tyler Hero. I also expect, obviously, to see Jimmy Butler at the three, which leaves that four spot open. The name that I already mentioned was Kalen Marin. Clearly, the biggest concern there is his size. <laughs> I, I do think that would hurt a lot. Uh, Jimmy Butler, obviously, is not very big either, but at least he's bigger than Kalen Marin, who's probably like 6'4", 6'5", maybe. Now, he is very athletic. Uh, I, that doesn't really help you if a guy's posting you up. But regardless, he's a very good defender. He's very quick. And on a team that switches everything, I could probably talk myself into that working just because we've seen him be such a great defender. It's been primarily on ball. And I guess if most teams play small nowadays anyways, he's not going to have to go up against anyone super big. But I mean, if you're playing someone like the Denver Nuggets or the Philadelphia 76ers and you get a switch and now Bam is on someone else, you quite literally have no other big on the court. Uh, I mean, Jimmy held his own a little bit, but uh, against those centers, it would just be tough. That's what that's what was nice about having P.J. Tucker in there, uh, you know, because he can guard those other bigs, whether he's had to switch onto a Jokic or Embiid. And obviously, you don't have that luxury anymore. Uh, I do want to say about P.J. Tucker, though, I'm sad he's gone. Obviously, I loved him. I think all of Heat Nation did, but I didn't want to pay a guy who's already almost 40 years old a three-year deal or whatever he wanted. I didn't want to do that. I, I'm tired of being stuck in, you know, salary cap purgatory uh, when you pay these overpay these guys just to keep them to stay uh, unfortunately I didn't want to see him walk but I just think it had to be done so Caleb Martin starting four I could talk myself into it it might not be pretty but uh, I'm definitely interested to see it we haven't seen that starting lineup yet because so far in this preseason they haven't had a full dress rehearsal uh, but I mean the potential is there I'll leave it at that the other lineup we've seen is you got the first three guys in lock, then you put Bam at the four and Omer at the five. Omer is a guy that uh, had a lot of run last year uh, in the uh, in, in the starting lineup. Actually, he had that streak of getting double doubles, maybe like ten to twelve straight games with double doubles. He obviously played very well when Bam was hurt, and he got those minutes. The biggest problem with Yurtsevin though is he is very, very, very slow. Like I thought, Kelly Olynyk is slow which he is, <laughs> don't get me wrong, but Omer Yurtsevin is just another level of slow, and that very clearly hurts him, especially on the defensive end. A couple times I'll see him rotate, and he'll block a few shots at the rim, but that's when he's really not stretched too far out, and he only has to recover a couple feet. If he's got a guy in the corner, and he has to be anywhere close to the three-point line, he just can't recover back enough, or, or quick enough if there's a switcher, or some ball movement to really recover. Uh, so he's really struggled uh, at times on the defensive end. Obviously, the offensive game is solid. He's pretty good in the post, even though that's kind of old-school basketball. Spolster is certainly not going to draw up any plays for him. It would just be a lot of offensive rebounds or a couple catches in the post. And he did stretch the floor in the summer league last year. That's not something we saw so much last year. I believe he only hit one three-pointer. But if he can hit that three-pointer, and obviously Bam hit the three-pointer, we'll get into that a little bit later too. Uh, you got the spacing there between those two guys. So I, I know I'm a little all over the place here, but truthfully, I don't love either one of these starting lineups. So what you're listening to is me just trying to talk myself into <laughs> either one of them. 
if Omer does start, though, what I, I'd expect him to play similar to what I call the Luke Babbitt or Myers Leonard role, where basically those guys played the first seven minutes of the first quarter, the first seven minutes of the third quarter, and that's about it. So I don't see Omer averaging more than 15 minutes a game, but I do think he'll get some run. Obviously, you got Dwayne Dedman as the backup center there. If Omer doesn't start, people are hating on Dedman too, but he is what he is. He's a guy who's not getting paid a lot of money, and he'll play 10 to 15 minutes a night and give you a lot of energy, kind of like Birdman did back in the Big 3 area. Uh, now, Birdman, I think, was a much better player, but regardless, Deadman is what he is. I don't know why people are getting mad at him like he had some kind of crazy expectation. So that's just kind of my thoughts on the two potential starting lineups, and obviously the one that I said I'd prefer was Struess in there. I don't think Spolster will start Struess, but uh, you never know with him. He does like to keep guys, like I said earlier, if they didn't do anything to lose their spot, keep them in there. But uh, that that would mean Jimmy has to play the four. That's what that would have to mean. And I just don't see that happening. So the next topic that's been talked about a ton during this offseason is the Tyler Hero extension. I think he got like four years, $130 million with a, a ton of incentives. One of them is even if he wins defensive player of the year. So I'm sure he'll get in, he'll, he'll end up getting a lot less money than what's in the contract because another one was MVP. He's not going to win MVP. He's not going to win Depoy. We all know that. But a lot of people mad at Tyler Hero because he obviously flamed out in the playoffs last year. Didn't have a good playoffs the year before in 2021. And then obviously he had the good 2020 postseason, but that was in the bubble. Now, yes, it's a lot of money for Tyler Hero. But I my initial reaction was that, yes, I am happy they gave him the extension. Now, if they would have gave him that extension a month or two ago, I would hate it. I wanted a whale chase. I wanted Spider. I wanted KD. I wanted one of the arachnids, either Durantula or Spider, but they did not get them. And since you didn't get those guys, I figured, okay, at least keep Tyler Hero because you don't want to upset him. I don't want it to be a similar situation to DeAndre Ayton, who we've already seen in media day in training camp. Doesn't seem to be too happy in Phoenix, although they gave him his extension, uh, even though he, even though because he had to make a little bit of a stink about it. Uh, or I guess they just signed him because he didn't get that extension because uh, he had to enter restricted free agency. I don't like the idea of upsetting your player. Uh, I, I know I heard some people talk and say, oh, well, whatever happened to a contract year and forcing a guy to earn it, it is soft. And I kind of do agree with that because you can. there's no reason you can't let Tyler Hero play out this year and enter restricted free agency. And that way, if you do give him that money, you at least have a whole sample size of another season to see if he's worth it. But at some point, you just got to, determine whether you believe in your players or not and in Tyler Hero showed the Miami Heat enough to the point where I guess they believed that he was worth that money so I agree with giving him it now instead of you know frustrating him or annoying him or making a talking point that's a distraction the entire season just get it out the way now give him his money if you believe the, he's worth it or the potential is there and then you know it's it's done it's done and it's said and done uh, additionally from that aside from just not upsetting your player I think he's worth it, or at least I certainly think the potential is there. Now, in 2020, he had the amazing uh, postseason run. He was 19, 20 years old, uh, lit up the fraudulent defensive player of the year, Marcus Smart, in uh, the Eastern Conference Finals, scored 37 points, and he was awesome. And that, to me, is when I really believed he would be a star player because star players play big in the biggest games, and, of course, the Eastern Conference Finals is a huge stage. Now, a lot of people are saying, oh, but that's just the bubble. What about Tyler Hero has made you believe that he would not have been even better with a crowd there? 
He lives for the crowd. He lives for those big moments and in, in, in the pressure. We saw him have the game winner his rookie season versus Philly where Jimmy stole the ball from Embiid and he stopped at a dime on a three-point line and pulled up like it was nobody's business, had the hugest cojones. Tyler Hero lives for the big moment. And to this day, I'll say if, if that wasn't in the bubble, he would have played even better. But people look at it and say, okay, in 2021, back to a little bit of normalcy, you had the crowd there and he was terrible. But guess what? So was the entire Miami Heat. I throw out that entire season. They had literally the shortest offseason in professional sports history. And by the time you hit the playoffs, of course you're going to suck. I don't know why anybody would expect anything different. So yeah, Tyler sucked. But so did Jimmy. So did Bam. So did Goran. So did everybody that entire playoffs. So I throw that entire thing out. Now, we're going into 2022. Tyler Hill balls out in the regular season. Of course, wins the sixth man of the year. And it's looking bright because people say with young players, the third season, your junior season, is when you can really tell what type of player somebody is going to be. And he was amazing. Come playoff time, he obviously flamed out a little bit, and then he got hurt, came back for game seven versus the Celtics. He obviously wasn't healthy, and he was terrible. Now, yeah, he was bad. He was pretty bad. I kind of want to believe maybe the injury was nagging him the whole postseason before he sat out, and I'd like to believe that was affecting him, but truthfully, we don't know, and if he was out there, you got to perform. But that being said, I'm not all of a sudden thinking Tyler Hero was a terrible player because he had one bad postseason. He is 21, 22 years old. Guys make mistakes. Guys have bad postseasons, you know? So if you're looking at it, I throw out 2021. He had a great 2020, a bad 2022. Let's see how he comes back in 2023. And in my opinion, I've seen enough from Tyler Hero from a skill set standpoint to believe that he will have a very successful career in this league. You know, when you get that kind of money that he got, you hope it's all-star level. Uh, and I think he can reach that. Uh, but we'll see. This will be a very big season for Tyler Hero. I'm interested to see what his role will be because he's still the third option. That's the thing when you got guys like RJ Bear who got an extension. He's the number one option on that team. Maybe two behind Julius Randle, but I think they're going to transition more to R.J. Barrett being the one. So it'd be a little more difficult for Tyler Hero to make the All-Star team just under his circumstances. But if you watch the games, you can see through the eye test whether he's worthy of that contract or not. And like I said, his offensive skill set is just so, so, so big. And, and I think that will I think that's exactly what the Heat need is a three-level score because they struggled scoring a lot at times last year. And yeah, he was on this team, but you know he helped with that. Uh, and I think now that he'll be in the starting lineup, he'll get a bigger role. I think he can help with that even more. So that is my thoughts on the Tyler Hero extension. I am happy that he got it. The last thing I want to talk about just as an overall offseason thing is my overall thoughts on the team. Of course, we talked about running it back. And because the Heat did that, people think we're going to suck. I've heard people think we're going to be in the plane, which is just nonsense to me, man. Listen, I certainly don't think the Heat will be a... I'm not locking them into a top four seed. It wouldn't shock me, but to be honest, I'd probably pick them to be around five. One, they don't care about the regular season. This team's been together for you know several years now, three years now with Jimmy Butler, and they understand that they're a team built for the playoffs. Regular season is pointless. Uh, in addition to that, I mean, teams have gotten better in the East, uh, specifically the Cleveland Cavaliers is the team that scares me the most. Of course, they got Donovan Mitchell. I thought that team was a tough matchup for us as it is, and now they're just going to be much better. And they're a young team. They're going to be playing very hard in the regular season, just like the Atlanta Hawks. That's another team that could be up there. And then also you got the guys like the Boston Celtics, Philadelphia 76ers, Toronto Raptors, Milwaukee Bucks. 
I think the Brooklyn Nets suck. I don't really want to get into that now because I've already been talking for 20 minutes and I could go on in there forever. You know, real quick, ever since, even before they got James Harden, I said that team was frauds. And then when they got Harden, I said, this team is no good. I said, they have too many divas, too many egos, too many ball handlers. I said, it's not going to work. People called me crazy. And that team only lasted 13 games together. They lasted 13 games before James Harden uh, requested a trade. Basically, we all know the Brooklyn Nets have been a utter and major failure. And I've been calling that for years. So I certainly don't think they're a threat. But maybe in the regular season, because of the star power, they can pass the Heat too. Point is, I just named a bunch of teams that in the regular season will either be better than Miami Heat or try a lot harder than the Miami Heat. That's why I don't think the Heat will even be a top four seed. Because of that, people will be freaking out come playoff time thinking first round exit. I don't believe so. I think this team has the coaching, the talent, the camaraderie, the chemistry. That's probably the same thing. Uh, and most importantly, the Heat culture, baby. People hate, you know, just throwing Heat culture out there as a reason for why a team would succeed. But I mean, it does mean something. I genuinely believe it does. When you talk about uh, defensive intensity and just overall preparedness, that goes a long way in the playoffs. In fact, it is one of the most important things. And that's why we saw them get all the way to game seven of the Eastern Conference Finals with really most of their guys not even playing that well. Uh, and they still got that far. So uh, all that being said, I think this team is going to be a real contender. It's going to be tough without the power forward, though. We'll see what moves they make. Obviously, Jay Crowder's name has been thrown out there a bunch, but I don't think this Heat team is going to suck. I think they, they have the potential to win a couple series in the postseason, and if they're able to make a move come trade deadline to get a four, I could see this team being right back in the finals. So now that we discussed all the general offseason stuff, let's get into a little bit of our thoughts in the preseason. The Heat lost uh, their first game versus the Minnesota Timberwolves, which is not surprising. Because if, you, if you've been watching the Miami Heat for any amount of time, you know that they cannot win uh, against the Timberwolves, specifically in Minnesota. I don't know if it's some kind of curse since Jimmy Butler beat the third or beat uh, the starters with the third strings when he was there, and he uh, made a deal with the devil that he'd never win there again. I don't know, but they don't win in Minnesota, not even the preseason. But anyways, uh, and of course, Jimmy Butler didn't play that game, so we saw Omer and Caleb start, so it didn't really tell us much. And then they went on to beat the Brooklyn Nets and the Memphis Grizzlies. The Memphis Grizzlies was the most exciting game. It was basically the Heat G League team versus the Grizzlies starters, and the Heat pulled out with the win. Now, major reason for that, for, for perhaps the biggest reason other than Duncan Robinson uh, finally having a great game, getting some confidence under him, which I like to see. Uh, obviously, he's been disappointing, but listen, I'm a shooter myself, man. You know, I'm a hooper, if y'all didn't know, and, and I understand how, how important confidence is when it comes to shooting. He very clearly lacks it. Uh, and I think these games, even in the preseason, can help him get it back. And all he needs to do is string together a few. Uh, and I think we can see close to the old Duncan Robinson we've seen. I don't even know if he'll get rotational minutes come, uh, you know, regular season because we got so many guys. But regardless, I like seeing him get some of that confidence back. Now, the young guys led the Heat to a win over the Memphis Grizzlies. Of course, the main guys everybody's been talking about this entire preseason is Jamal Kane and Nikola Jovic. I want to start by talking with Jamal Kane. So e even more so, let's start with the two guys on the two-way contracts, Darius Days and Marcus Garrett. Now, Darius Days is a guy who came from LSU, who had a ton of hype coming into this preseason and training camp for the Miami Heat. He seemed to be a guy that was the definition of Heat culture. I heard Udonis has some comparisons, and he's a guy that I was really excited to watch. For whatever reason, he's barely played. I believe he's played less than 10 minutes in the last two games. I don't know why. I don't know if it's an injury thing or a talent thing. I have no idea. 
So really, as far as Darius Days, we haven't seen really anything. It could be a Jamal Cain thing because Jamal Cain has played phenomenal this postseason. Jamal Cain is a guy who played at Marquette for three years. And of course, the Heat love their Marquette guys. They got a D-Wade and now Jimmy Butler. Uh, and then he go he went ahead and transferred. I forgot where he transferred to, but he uh, he had a much bigger role his senior season and averaged 20 and 10. So this is a guy that can score the ball, and we can see already through three preseason games, he's a very great defender, a very athletic, solid rebounder. He seems exactly like a guy that he would want on their roster. So that brings the question of the first two-way spot is, you, you is it even a question at this point, actually? You'd have to think that Darius Days is going to give his spot up to Jamal Kane, or I guess Jamal Kane took his spot. Uh, we still have a few preseason games left. I think there's, I think there's only two games left actually. Uh, so I don't know how much that would change, but the way things are looking now, Jamal Kane has been very, very impressive. He's the talk of the town of Miami, and I'm actually really excited to see him continue to play. Uh, and if he does get that two-way spot, I'm looking to see him get some spot minutes in the regular season when guys are hurt or get some rest because so far he's looking like he has the, all the tools to, to actually keep this up in the regular season. You know, it, it's not like it's some fluke uh, shooter who's hitting a bunch of shots that won't, won't translate. His game looks like it translates. He has the body. He has the athleticism. He has the jump shot, the defense, the intangibles. He has it all. Uh, and he has Heat Nation pretty excited. And he's made... Uh, he's been one of the few guys to actually made this preseason not a complete bore, <laughs> to be honest. Because uh, I'm I'm a guy who I don't put, I mean I, I really don't put any stock into preseason. Uh, it, it's preseason. Spolster's just out there messing with rotations, seeing what works, seeing what doesn't. I don't think anything we've seen from him is is a sign or a clue to what we're going to see in the regular season. He's just out there trying to get guys some run, see if see if he can find some hidden lineup that works. And then just, you know, that's it. You know, that, that's really it. Uh, it's a completely different game than the regular season, especially when you look at matchups. Some nights you're playing starters. Some nights you're playing the last guys on the bench. Just in general with sports, I don't put that much stock into the preseason. But Jamal Kane, he showed me that he can be, uh, you know, a very solid player in this league. So look for him to get that last two-way spot from Darius Days, which I don't think anybody had coming into, uh, coming into the preseason, coming into training camp. The other young guy that a lot of Heat fans love, including myself, is Marcus Garrett, who was, of course, on the two-way contract last year before he got hurt, and then they replaced him with Michael Mulder. Now, everybody loves Garrett, specifically because, again, he's a Heat culture guy. I guess that's what the Heat look for in these two-way contracts. He's a phenomenal, phenomenal defender, quite literally one of, I mean, I was going to say one of the best defenders I've ever seen, uh, but you know what? That's That's not even just me saying that. I remember I was listening to uh, the J.J. Reddick podcast a while ago, and I think it was Davion Mitchell they had on the podcast. Davion Mitchell's nickname is Off Night because he's known as being a lockdown defender. So they asked him, they said, well, since you're so good at playing defense, who is someone that you've looked at and been like, wow, this guy might be a better defender than me. He's one of the best defenders I've ever seen. And he actually said Marcus Garrett. Of course, they played uh, together uh, against each other in college. I think Garrett went to Kansas and Mitchell, he went to Baylor, Oregon, one, one of those schools, I forget. But he even went out of his way to say Marcus Garrett. He remembered him that much from their matchups in college to say, you know, to leave an impression on him and say, wow, this Marcus Garrett is a phenomenal defender. We can all see that. I don't have to tell you that he's a good defender, even though I just did a hundred times. But his offensive game is awful. 
His jump shot is ugly, and his form looks ugly. Speaking of jump shot forms, though, shout out to Caleb Martin. His form is looking clean. I don't know what that boy was doing in the offseason. I guess he was putting in work, but looks good, man. I'm actually really excited about Caleb Martin's jumper. But Marcus Garrett, jumper looks bad, rough. Obviously, we understand that's the case. Now, the guy, the other young guy who is not on a two-way contract that I could see maybe earning it and taking that spot from Garrett would be Jamari Bouye, who's played really well so far. Obviously, he, he's a great scorer. He's a great shooter. Does remind me a little bit of Kendrick Nunn just because of you know the size and, and the way he can kind of score in the mid-range. Decent three-point shooter as well. Difference is, though, Jamari Bouye actually seemed like he can be a decent defender. At least in that game versus Memphis, he played the passing lanes very well. And he's very quick. Seems to have a high basketball IQ. Uh, Kendrick Nunn obviously was not a good defender. Uh, but Jamari Bouye did impress me there. So I just wanted to mention that he's not exactly like K. Nunn because uh, he can actually play some defense there. Uh, so he's been well. That being said, though, I don't think he'll take that last spot from Garrett just because, you know, Bouye's got the offense, Garrett has the defense. And when you look at which one of those two is easier to develop, I personally think it's easier to develop offense. So it makes more sense to hold on to Garrett, try to develop his offense instead of get Bouye and try to develop his defense to actually be like a really, really solid guy who can guard, you know, real rotational players on a consistent basis. Plus, the Heat, I don't think they want to lose out on another Patrick Beverly because if y'all remember, Patrick Beverly was in training camp for the Heat during that big three team, and he was actually one of the guys that they cut. And obviously, Beverly, as, as much as you know, I dislike him for all his antics, and, and most people do, he's turned out to have a very, very solid career in this league. Uh, and he'd be a guy who'd fit great on this Heat team because he prioritizes defense. Uh, and I don't think the Heat want to lose out on another guy like that again. So I think Marcus Garrett is here to stay. And as far as the two-way contracts, I think you're going to be looking at Garrett and Jamal Kane going into the season. Uh, so we'll see if those guys perform. They'll probably be down in the G League a bunch with some regular season minutes when, when they're needed. Speaking of the G League, let's go on to Nikola Jovic and his role come this regular season because he's balled out this preseason. He's a guy, of course, after his you know great preseason game versus Memphis, people are saying that he's going to start. I mean, I was even saying, I was saying we got our starting power forward. Obviously, I'm kind of being sarcastic. Kind of. I think so. Uh, but he's a guy that I think will uh, have a similar role to Precious Achua, his rookie season here. Precious actually played 61 games at 12 minutes a night. I think Jovic will probably play closer to 50 games around 12 minutes a night. And again, that's just going to be when guys are hurt or, or when guys need rest or whatever minor role he'll be able to get in the, in the regular season. And other than that, I think he will spend a lot of time in the G League just to kind of develop his skills more uh, because he's a very talented player who can do a lot, but because he's so young, he will try to do too much sometimes and have some turnovers and things like that. So I can see him spending a lot of time in the G League, just like Josh Richardson did his rookie year. And I remember when Richardson came back from the G League, he was a much improved shooter, a much improved overall player. So I can see a similar thing from Nikola Jovic. So I expect him to spend a lot of time down there. But just talking a little more about his preseason performance, he's been absolutely incredible. In that game versus Memphis, he stuffed the entire stat sheet. People were looking at it like, okay, he's a scorer, he's a shooter. We knew this. But he had three blocks. He had at least one steal that I remember. A couple very, very nice passes in which his vision was just absolutely incredible. Is Jovic is a guy that can stuff the stat sheet like that? I mean, look out because he is going to be one of the better players in this league in a few years when he really gets to fill out that that body of his because obviously he's 19 
they said he was still taking his high school exams during training camp, which that's just the whole situation sounds sus to me. Like, you tell me this man was studying in high school the whole time. I, I don't buy it. I, I don't know what that situation is. But regardless, I guess he's still in high school and we know that he's 19. So obviously he's a kid. Uh, and the fact that he's able to do what he does at that size against the competition that he's played so far, you know, professionals, adults, uh, has truly been incredible. So uh, it's been a great sign coming from the 27th overall pick. A lot of time when you pick that late, the guy might turn out to be nothing. Uh, I was happy when they drafted him. That's the guy I wanted, really, just because of his name. But uh, but yeah, that's what we got. Just a couple more topics here that I want to get into is the Bam Adebayo shooting a three-pointer. Now, uh, it got a lot of people excited. He pulled one versus Brooklyn and one versus Memphis, and he is one for one, or one for two in the preseason now shooting threes. People got so excited when he hit that shot versus Brooklyn. People were acting like it was the game winner in game seven of a championship game. I'm like, relax. It was one three-pointer. I'm not going to start getting all excited just because Bam took a three-pointer in the preseason. Listen, we've been through this with Bam at Albao before. We all know that he's not as aggressive as he should be because he is such a versatile offensive big. He has handle. He has speed. He has size. He has strength. He has all of that. And he seems to be the only player that doesn't, or he seems to be the only person that doesn't realize he's unguardable. And it's very frustrating. And once in a while, we'll see games from Bam in the regular season where he'll dominate. He'll take 20 shots. He'll score 30 to 40 points, specifically against Brooklyn, you know. And the Heat Nation, including myself, will get all excited and we'll all say, oh, uh, he's back. Bam finally realized no one can guard him. We finally got aggressive Bam. And then he'll go the next 10 games taking eight shots a game. So I'm tired of letting myself down, uh, getting my hopes up on Bam at about his aggressiveness and him shooting threes when he's wide open because his form is beautiful. He has such a nice stroke. Uh, so why he doesn't shoot it more, I don't know. Even his mid-range shot is beautiful, and guys will be playing drop coverage, and he'll just be standing there with the ball, not shooting, when he has 10 feet of space in front of him. Uh, as you can tell, I'm frustrated about his aggressiveness, so I'm not going to get myself excited because he shot two three-pointers in the preseason and made one of them. Now, if he can implement that in his game, then, oh my God, look out NBA because this Heat team is going to be scary. Listen, this Heat team is going to go as far as Jimmy Butler takes them. But if Bam Adebayo can achieve uh, any kind of his full potential this season, he's still young, so I don't expect him to obviously achieve it all this season. But if he can get close, this team has the potential to, to be championship favorites, at least in my mind, because people really underrate how good Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo are, in my opinion. People think, oh, the Heat are going to be a fifth seed, but really, they have the potential to have two superstars. I mean, Jimmy Butler, I think, is there, and Bam Adebayo really, really has all the tools. That's why it's so frustrating to me when he's not aggressive, and of course, you just want to see more of it. So, at least we saw him take a couple threes. We'll see if he keeps it up in the regular season. Until he does it on a consistent basis, I'm not going to get excited. That's all I want to say. Anyways, that's all I really want to talk about for this very first episode of the Believe in the Miami Heat hosting Anthony DiNardo. So I hope y'all enjoyed. This is really my first experience hosting a podcast, but I think it went pretty well. Uh, again, this should be coming out on Monday morning. The Heat have a game tonight against the Houston Rockets, so we'll see how that goes. I'll try to get these episodes out once or twice a week. Uh, again, we'll see how things go, but I'm looking forward to doing some more of these episodes. And until then, I'll see y'all next time. And peace out. Man, I'm off, I don't play that. I can spot a fraud with a blindfold. You can feel they too, maybe I know. On a different plane, different time zone. Step around, no attention, child. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.